Welcome to a live preaching message from the Kadesh Family Church, Manhattan, New York City. Kadesh Family Church, Manhattan, is the Apache of the Kadesh Family Churches in North America, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively for present-day living. Our aim is to provide solid foundation of Bible-based instruction to our church members, to equip them to preach and teach the gospel wherever they may be. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Amen, 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 amen,
to the Lord. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout of praise. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Wow. What a ministration. Lord, be gracious and bless these offerings in Jesus' name. Amen. Next on our list, we want to welcome the Ageless Choir. The age is not. Okay, my fault. Put your hands together one more time for her. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor. I'm a little shy, but oh, to God be all the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God. very quick and short, very short and quick. Today is June 24th in the year 2018. And this very day, June 24th, is the birthday of my twins, my twin boys, Ofori and Enim. Today, they were born on June 24th in the year 2002. So today, they turned 16 years. And the Bible says in Psalm 30, verses 11 through 12, that the Lord God has taken my sadness and he has given me rather the garment of praise. He has surrounded me with joy. So I will not be silent, but to praise the Lord and to thank him of his goodness. Beloved, when people conceive twins, they become very happy, and they become very joyous. But for me, the day that the doctor said that I was carrying two boys, two babies, because at the very beginning, of course, they did not know the sex of the children. It was, it was a real big thing. My, my older daughter, Gofax, they had told me I could not have kids because of all the complications. And so by the time... And by the time I had the twin boys, I had already had four abdominal surgeries. And so they had told me that there was no way where I could have kids again. And then when I got pregnant, it was not just one child. It was two babies. And so the doctors became very concerned because they had explained to me the strength of my uterus. They had explained to me that it was very weak and there was no way where that uterus could contain two babies. Shortly after, within about like... Two months, three months, they called me with all the tests that I was doing. So every week I was going for a doctor's appointment. I mean, they were always uh, doing the sonogram and everything. So within three months, they called me and they explained to me that one of the children, one of the, twin, one of the, twin, uh, one of the twins, had a Down syndrome. There were some abnormalities. So they explained to me 
that the best way to go about it is to do a selective abortion. And they could do it in such a way that they'll be able to preserve the other twin and, you know, have the other one removed. And I explained to them that I was not God. And because I was not God, I had no right to decide on who to live and who to die. And so I told them that there was no way where that I was going to do a selective abortion. I was going to carry those babies, the twin babies. And the goodness of the Lord will give me that strength to take care of both of them. So one Down syndrome, one normal, that is all right. It is still good. It is still good and it is still good. Now, within, by, each, by the fourth month, I couldn't walk because I was having so many complications. So they had to give me a walker. I mean, at that time, my father was about like 76, 77 years old. And even that old man was not using a walker. But I was using a walker when I carried those babies. I could not move from my bedroom to my bathroom. So I had to use the walker. And I could not take my bath. My husband could not go to work without me taking my bath first. Because he had to help me, get me into the tub, get me out of the tub before, I could, uh, before he could go to work. So many complications. The doctor that was taking care of me, uh, about a month before I had the babies, something happened and he left. And so, they, so then I was referred to another doctor. And that, the day that I was supposed to have the surgery, the, and of course, because of all the complications, I, I didn't have any natural birth. They had always explained to me that they were always going to be cesarean. So it was already planned that on the 24th of June in the year 2002 was when they were going to remove the babies. And so that very day that the doctor, the second doctor who was supposed to do the surgery was not present. So now they had to get another doctor to do the surgery. As they gave me the epidural, it was not working. They tried several times and it wouldn't work. And so at a point, they had to tell my husband to leave the, uh, the room. And then they were like, we have to keep on pumping because something was not working. And so, well, so eventually they got my husband in there. It took about an hour before finally my body could get numb. And eventually I had the, the twin babies. But then of course, throughout the pregnancy and all the sonogram and everything still showed that there was a problem with twin A. And when you're pregnant with twins, you know, like they, the, uh, from the way the, the babies are positioned, one is twin A and one is twin B. So each time it was twin A and the twin A was Ophori. Twin A was the one that had the problem. And so, and Ophori is the one who, who was always doing the Jesus play and also playing the, uh, 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 plays the piano. So, in the course of the pregnancy, thank God that we named them, and anytime I was pregnant, I named those babies, we named those babies like within the, within the time that they were six weeks. So Ophari was Shama, Jehovah Shama, and a name was God's love, because it was very important to me that during the time of you know, like during the time of conception that we would have names, spiritual names for them. I mean, we had a spiritual name for Gofax, and when Gofax was born, I put it uh, we put it on her birth certificate, but by the time the twins were born, my family was like, no, we're not going to allow you. So that's all right. So my husband ended up naming them Ophoria and Enim. But then their spiritual names were Shama and God's love. So my husband would always put his hands on my stomach, and he was the one doing the fasting because I couldn't fast. And pray and pray and pray and pray that the power of God will be upon, especially all the, the children, all the babies, but especially upon this child that was a problem 
uh, supposedly a problem child. I have come to encourage someone. And I have come to encourage every one of us. That whose report are you going to believe? Whose report are you going to believe? The Bible says in Numbers 23 verse 23. That there is, no, there is no enchantment against Jacob. And there is no divination against Israel. Whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to take the Lord's report? There are many of us, we hear these things and then we give up. And after the surgery, because of all the problems. So that was my fifth, of course, my fifth abdominal surgery. Because I had already had four. By the time I had that, now I ended up having hernia. And that is what had caused so many like so many other issues. But unto God be the glory. What is most important is that I wake up every day and I go and I come. There are times that you will see me on a Friday, you hear about me on a Friday. By Saturday, I'm in the hospital. But by Sunday, I'm even in church. And if you don't know that I was in the hospital, you'll even be surprised. And so that is why I'm going to end again with Psalm 30 from 11 to 12. That the Lord has surrounded me with joy. He has taken away my sadness. And I will not be silent when I sit in church and reverend is preaching. And I scream, Amen and Amen. Sometimes people don't know why I'm doing that. And when you don't understand somebody's history, you might sit there and think, oh, she makes too much noise. The Lord has done so much for me. As everybody knows, or even as many people don't even know, on January, in January the same year, I went through another major surgery. But unto God be the glory. Unto God be all the praise and all the adoration. Amen. Is this a miracle or what? I said, is this a miracle or what? Oh, are you here with me? And are you sitting down like this? Give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Wow. It is only God who can do this. Hallelujah. I said, it is only God who can do this. Who can make the impossible possible. Today, every impossible life situation in your life, I pray that it will be taken away in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. It's time for the word. Amen. Hallelujah. And we have a, a vessel in the house. Amen. Amen. Shall we welcome Reverend Patrick to the podium? Hallelujah. To give us the word. Amen. You are good. You are good. That's my testimony. You are good. You are good. You are good. You are good. Oh, that's my testimony. I was once young. I was once young, but now oh, I've never seen the righteous forsaken all his seed. Begging bread. There are times I've been mountains. There are times I've been through valley. But through it all, I testify that you are good. 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 Oh, that's my testimony. You are good, you are good, you are good, you are good, you are good. Oh, that's my testimony. 
Diwago, 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 das meinte Simon. Lord, Diwago, 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 das meinte Wasn't that something else? Man. You know, I was thinking about it and I realized you hear me very well. Can I pray for more sound? Okay, let's see. Hallelujah. And I was thinking about the testimony and something just came to mind. You know, when you read Genesis. Uh, normally we see Genesis as a book of creation, right? But the creation account is only about three chapters. And Genesis is more about the life of Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, and uh, Joseph. And if you read it, one of the things you realize is that all of them didn't have life easy. But at the end, it shows that God was faithful. Yeah. Hallelujah. At the end, through it, all of them said that God is what? Faithful. I mean, through the prisons and all the difficulties of not having children, and through it all, they realized, at the end of the day, they realized that, man, God has been faithful. And that will be your story. Hallelujah. The journey might not be easy, but at the end, tell your neighbor, at the end, at the end, you will realize that God is faithful. God is faithful. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for him. Wonderful. Well, on behalf of Rev and Lady Pastor, I want to say you're welcome to Kodesh Family Church, Manhattan, the best church in the whole wild world. Uh, Rev is not here. He just sent a text that he has some emergency trip he has to run. So as usual, the, the, when a driver is not that way, the mate has to drive the car for a few minutes. Hallelujah. And uh, so we'll just, he asked me to share something that his, he, it's on his heart about tithing. Amen. He wants me to continue that uh, series. And to, this morning, we're going to talk about how tithing or how giving provokes God's graciousness. So you can title your sermon, Provoking God's graciousness. Hallelujah. Provoking God's graciousness. How many of you want grace in your life? Psalm, 20, Psalm 67. Psalm 67. It says that God be gracious to us and bless us. Hallelujah. And cause his face to do what? To shine on us. Or may his face... Okay. God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Next verse. I want you to underline the word that. It's a connector. It's connecting the two verses. Do you see? So indirectly says that if God's grace or if God's face shines on us, then what happens? Did you get it, church? That what? His ways may be known upon the earth and his saving health among all the nations. Are you with me, church? 
Yeah, so God wants his saving grace to be known in all the world. Not just in Africa or in Asia, but he wants everybody, no matter where you are from, to know about his salvation. You know, recently when we did our outreach on the streets of New York, I asked the guy, have you heard of John 3.16 before? He asked me, who is John? <laughs> and I was so surprised. Do you get it? And you might think that a lot of people know about God. Because we are living in a post-Christian America where Christianity is not just the culture or the religion of the land like it used to be. Do you understand? People are growing up with options as to who to worship and how to worship. Or even if they worship at all. Do you get it? And freedom of religion, it's all over the place. You can choose to worship a stone or whatever. You know, that is, that's what the Constitution uh, requires. So if we live in our own little church bubble, we might think that a lot of people know about God. You see, one of the mistakes we should never make to, is to think that there are too many churches in the world. Because if one day half of the world's population decide to go to church, we can't even house them. Do you believe so? Yeah. So God wants the world. He wants churches. He wants people to be saved. Are you with me, church? He wants nations to be saved. Hallelujah. He wants villages to turn from idol worship to serving the only true God. Are you with me? He wants, the Bible says that there is no name amongst us through which we may be saved except the, only, the, what, the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, if you get what I'm saying. So we can, be, we can be deluded to think that, well, a lot of people are saved, but that is not true. Even if people are saved, the next generation also need to hear the gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying? Can you believe that England used to be a place where a lot of people were, used to be believers? That is where John Wesley and Charles Wesley and all those guys, Charles Spurgeon and co. preached. But after a few years passed, the whole nation has become very secular. Do you understand what I'm saying? So Christianity has to keep going and has to keep going. More churches have to be planted. As more beer bars are being planted, more nightclubs are being planted, more churches need to be planted, more pastors need to be trained, more evangelists need to be ushered on to be thrown out there to preach the gospel. Do you get it? We should never think that we have arrived. Hallelujah. More sinners are being born. Do you get it? More believers are even backsliding. <laughs> Do you get it? So we should keep on preaching the gospel, and that is the heart of God, that the nations will be saved. Do you understand? So when God blesses you and I, the, the key goal of his blessing upon your life is that the nations will be saved. Are you there? God does not give you more than enough for you to drive the most expensive car. Even though that's a side benefit. Are you there? The purpose of a believer's blessing is to ensure that the gospel gets to the next town. Are you there? So if God blesses you with a million dollars, may we have millionaires in this church? Oh, I think this side was believing more her. Okay, may you become thousandaires. May you also become millionaires. <laughs> Do you understand? 
may we have millionaires in this church who would say that, you know, I want to build a church for God. I want to finance a crusade. I want to buy a crusade truck. I want to buy a thousand Bibles for the Lord. Hallelujah. And that is the purpose of his blessing. That is why God will cause his face to shine upon you. That the nations will know him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, that is the purpose of his blessing. You know, I heard someone say that if God gives you your daily bread, if God gives you more than your daily bread, then know that the, the, whatever you have over and above what you need is for the poor. And, um, you know, recently my wife and I was talking about a pastor who was raising about $100 million or so to buy a plane. And so he can travel nonstop to other nations to preach. And it became a bit controversial, you see, because just for you to preach, we need $100 million equipment. And I said, well, I mean, who am I to say? Because I, I mean, I'm not in his position. But I'm wondering how many churches can come out of $100 million. Have you thought about that? How many pastors can be trained with $100 million? How many Bible schools can be built with $100 million? What do you think McDonald's will do when they have $100 million? McDonald's here, McDonald's here, McDonald's here, McDonald's here, McDonald's here. If we also have $100 million, a church here, 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 perhaps not an airplane. That is my personal view. I'm also entitled to my view. Do you understand? And you see, let, let me tell you something. We should never think Christianity has arrived because there are so many people in the world, in our neighborhoods, who haven't even heard the word Jesus loves you. Amen. Who haven't even heard um, John 3, 16. And who is John? You see, and God is depending on you and I to finance the gospel so that people can hear. And you know, preaching the gospel is free. But it takes money to send the gospel. Are, are you with me? Yeah, it takes money. Every war costs money. You know, when um, America went to Iraq, it cost the nation $800 billion to fight. Every war costs money. Do you see? The redemption of souls costs money. Are you with me, church? The saving of souls costs money. Our bishop spends a, billion, a million dollars for one crusade. I mean, some of you are thinking, hey, how many cars can I buy? You see, you see, you see <laughs> the way you're thinking. Do you get it? A million dollars to save a soul. Because, truth be told, you are worth more than a million. One, one, one guy, his son couldn't swallow. And after the doctors were able to fix it and everything, the bill came to $3 million. The ability to swallow alone is what? Three million. And you, you can eat a whole bowl of kinky, swallow it. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, you can swallow a whole sandwich. You don't know the cost <laughs> of such an ability. <laughs> Do you get it? You are worth more than a million dollars. You see? So if God has to spend a million dollars to save somebody, you might think it's too much money. No, it's not. 
Because what shall it profit a man to gain the whole wide world and lose his soul? So what it means is that a soul is more than a million, is more than what? The whole wild world. Amen. Yeah. To drive 60 miles to pick somebody to church is worth it. Because that soul is worth more than 60 miles. Many of us drive 60 miles to buy goat's meat. Or to buy chicken. <laughs> oh, can I get an amen? Please, lady pastor is marking how many amens I get. So, I need more amens from you. <laughs> true or not true? Yeah. So, even to drive 60 miles to get somebody to come to church, to hear the gospel, is worth it. Hallelujah. It's worth it because a soul is very precious to the Lord. Do you understand? And God wants you and I to be able to say that, you know, out of a thousand dollars that I made this month, I'm going to spend 10% of it, 20% of it, or even if it's 1% of it, do you get it? To say that this is the money I'm setting aside to finance the gospel. Hallelujah. And when you do that, you see, what you do is that you also trigger graciousness, kindness. You see, in life, you will need grace one day. True or not true? You see, one day, I was driving, and as I pulled over, I hadn't put on my seatbelt. And there was a policeman. You see, there are two types of policemen. Those who catch you for breaking the law. And those who catch you, those who want you to break the law so they can give you a ticket. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are two types, and I have the latter one. <laughs> Those who are just waiting for you to break the law. And I just pulled out, and the guy said, I hadn't put on my seatbelt. So he gave me a ticket. It was just, you know, a back road, not a major road. And when I saw the ticket, it was $400. Ha! Huh! And I said, $400 bill from nowhere. So I went to the court. And where I was living, you have to even pay to enter the court. You see, your case, you have a case and you brought it to, you, you pay for using the court. <laughs> and the judge looked, I said, I said, man. So I was just, I mean, I was just said it. And the judge looked at it. And I said, well, you know, well, yes, yeah, true, you didn't have your seatbelt on. But this is just a small private road that it doesn't matter. He just said, toss it. He said, toss, toss it and go away. I don't want to waste your time. <laughs> <laughs> grace <laughs> shout grace grace <laughs> yeah you were supposed to get a ticket you see but grace cancelled it do you understand that is what grace is you will need grace in your life one day do you understand you know a friend of mine said that um, his wife died and he was looking for a job you see, his wife died he lost his wife very sad you know very heartbreaking moment in his life and he had applied for a job, and the recruiter asked him, are you willing to relocate? First of all, before we ta start talking, are you willing to relocate? And he said, well, yeah. I mean, I've lost my wife. I'm not tied to anywhere. And the recruiter said, you know, I'm very sorry. No interviews. I'm going to give you this job. This is what I'm going to do to help you. Grace. Grace. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You see, that is why the Bible says that the race is not for the swift, nor the battle for the strong. Do you see? Nor what? Uh, success to men of wisdom. 
but time and chance happens to them all. You see, what God is saying is that what determines the race of life is not so much about speed, nor strength, nor intellect, but also something called time and chance. Do you understand? Because there will be days that you would apply for a job and you might be the least qualified. Do you understand? But on, for that particular job, the most qualified people did not apply for it. And out of all the Sanquas, you know Sanquas, <laughs> out of all the bad candidates, you were the best among the candidates. Not because you were good, but because the best ones, for, for some reasons, did not take the job. Whether the weather was bad, they didn't like the company, the pay was not what they wanted. But you, out of all the bad ones, you were the best among the bad. <laughs> do, you, do you get it? And then grace and whatever helped you. Do, you. do you get what I'm saying? So life is determined a lot by grace and chance. Hallelujah. Grace and what? Chance. You see, that is why you must always leave room for God to help you. You see, you can't be too smart to not, enough to be successful. Because there are many smarter people. True or not true? And many of you realize you are not the smartest in your class. <laughs> am, am I saying something? Yeah. Many of you realize that you were not the fastest or you were not the most uh, eloquent in your class. But for some reason, God has been able to change the race of life in such a way that you are able to finish at the same finish line. Amen. Yeah, grace. And you are not going to need grace, you see. And one thing that provokes the grace of God, the kindness, the mercy, or the, the, the blessings that you don't qualify for, is giving or tithing. Hallelujah. Yeah. Giving generates grace. I want you to write it down. Giving provokes the grace of God. Are you with me, church? Giving but in the context of what we're saying, we're talking about tithe. Do you get it? But any form of giving, whether it be offerings, helping the poor, giving a tithe, or giving more than a tithe, provokes God's graciousness upon your life. Hallelujah. And this is what really, you see, determines uh, the outcome of a lot of lives. See, sometimes you don't even know why someone is successful. You have a friend. Anywhere he goes, he gets some divine favor that I don't understand. You know, recently, uh, he moved from Boston to, I think, Texas or somewhere. He didn't have a job. And he was at the bus stop. And it's, I mean, I've seen that has been his life over time. And he just met a guy, and they were just chatting. The guy said, you know, I have this job. Would you take it? He said, oh, why not? And then I, I, I was just baffled. And they allow him to work, what, three times a week and two days from home. And every quarter, they give him $1,000 to give to his parents. What type of job is this? <laughs> and, everywhere, and then, you know, one time he was looking for a car to buy. And somebody, he just called um, this guy who had this car on Craigslist. And he went to the guy's house just to inspect the car. The guy said, you know, I, I will just give it to you. I don't know why. I'll just give you this car. It was a Mercedes-Benz E350. He just bought it like for $3,000 or something. The guy had just driven it. I mean, it was like a 2009 model. A car that cost about $12,000. And the guy had kept all the, 
the, um, the, the maintenance record. Just, just gave it to him. He said, look, just take this car. It's, it's yours. Just take it. Grace, 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 grace. Amen. And you are going to need it. You and I need grace. True or not true? Yeah. As a story of a lady in, a, in one of our churches, great a lady, plays the keyboard, professor, makes a lot of money, and she was in her mid-40s and not married. Hadn't met anybody. And uh, someone went on the website to look for a singer, not her. Okay, let's say Yolanda Adams. And the person just typed in Yolanda Adams. And lo and behold, her name came up. And the guy said, well, if this is what come, came up, let me just listen to what this song also has to offer. And the guy listened to the song. And then he called her and said, oh, I just listened to one of your songs. You know, can you send me a tape or a CD? And, you know, for how much? I said, oh, no problem. They just connected the guy listened to the song. He liked the song and whatnot. And they started talking. Started talking. Started talking. Within a year, they were married. I mean, how do you explain? I don't think far. I, 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 can you think far on this issue? Can you think far on this issue? Yeah. It, it just baffles your mind. And then you realize that, man, there is, there is something at work in this universe. There is something at work. Can you give me that scripture in Ecclesiastes? The race is not for the swift. 9-11. Let, let's see that from the Message Bible, please. Are you, are you here? Are you with me, church? Okay. I hope I'm not boring you. Okay. Ecclesiastes 9-11. Is it 9-1? 9-11. right? Okay. I took another walk around the neighborhood. Some of you take around your, around your neighborhood, okay? <laughs> and realize that on this earth, as it is, the race is not always to the swift. Let me tell you a story. You know, um, what's the fastest run? I was in boat. Do you know, Usain Bolt used to play cricket. And his father said he should just go and run and try and see if he can be an athlete. That is it. A father saying, just try this one. I wouldn't have, I don't think we would have known him playing cricket. I mean, come on. You see. And nor the battle to the strong. Nor satisfaction, what? To the wise. Nor riches to the smart. Have you seen some poor PhDs before? Do you get it? Nor grace to what? To the learned. Sooner or later, bad luck, what? It's all. So bad luck can even negate or neutralize your wisdom, your strength, your smartness, your, your learnability. What, bad luck can just neutralize everything. Amen. So you must believe more in the grace of God, the help of God, more than your strength. Hallelujah. Recently I was talking to one of our pastors and she has made a spreadsheet of her life until the, the year 2025. How much you earn, how much you save a month, you know, times 12 for the next. I said, look, scratch this thing. It's great. Look, God has given you the ability to plan ahead. It's good. It helps you put things in perspective. But I told her, it doesn't mean that you don't enjoy your life whilst you are planning. And I told you that, look, and she said that based on the projections, she'll be able to save only about 
$100,000 a year. And I said, you see, even with all your plan, this is how much you can save. So believe God that your child can go to college for free. You see, believe God that when you retire, you have money. For somehow, I don't know how. You get it? But you have to leave room for God to also add up to your little savings that you think you're going to get with your, little, with your little hard work. And this projection does not include bad luck. It does not include sickness. You see, it assumes that I will work every day for the next 20 years. But life does not go on like that. You know, it assumes that my husband will have this job, I will have this job, you know, and we are both going to work and I'll earn 3% increments every year. I said, look, forget about this thing. Life does not work like that. Your boss can be fired, you can be fired, your company can be sold, you know, your child can just run into somebody and just bring a bill from nowhere. Sicknesses come here and there to just spoil all our plans that we put together. You get it? So you must rather believe in the grace of God. You get Our planning sometimes don't work. I won't say sometimes, most of the time. Does not work. Some of you have stopped eating ice cream because of your projections. You've stopped eating steak because of your projections. Look, it's time you believe in God. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, eat ice cream, please. Eat ice cream. <laughs> The meat in the soup in your house has been counted. You know, you've counted the meat in the soup. 16, you eat four every day <laughs> for the next five days. <laughs> yeah. Believe God. Trust God. You know, the Bible says that God blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning. You see, sometimes it's not how you begin. It's the latter blessings that count. That's why you have early rain and latter rain. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? You know, having to see a, a soccer game where yesterday, you didn't watch the game between Germany and, and Sweden. You know, Sweden started and won 1-0. You know, and Germany equalized. And the 95th minute, the latter rain kicked in. And they scored. The latter end. You say, believe God that your latter end will be better. Yeah. Hallelujah. Always tell yourself, my latter end will be better than my beginning. Am I blessing somebody this morning? Yeah. Believe in the latter blessings of God. Look at Joseph's life. Joseph's life. The latter was better. True or not true? Look at Abraham's life. The latter. You see, some of you have given up on your life. You see, uh, I heard a preacher say that he's 1060. He was telling another senior preacher. That he's 10, 16, and he feels like his life is running away, you know, kind of phasing. And he said, look, let me tell you something. My life, he told him, my life began when I was 70 years old. Some of you have given up on life. Thinking that you are only 32. And you've given up. Sometimes life starts at even 70. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, sometimes life starts at the latter end. It's only at the latter end that you even know, now God even begins to use you. The latter end. You thought that it's over. But God says this is just the beginning. Moses spent 80 years, in the 40 years in Pharaoh's uh, house, another 40 in the wilderness, and then 80 years, the guy has now begun starting his church. You and I would have said, oh, Brother Moses, please, please, let this one be for the first love, <laughs> the first lovers, you know. 
<laughs> Pastor Moses, we beg you. 18 years, about to start a church. Pastor Moses, please. Let th- this is for the young people. You know, but that was when God was even about to start. The first 18 years was just, just preparation. Preparation. I was just preparing you. You were just being prepared. Are you with me, church? Yeah, don't give up. 80 years old. We are now about to start ministry. Wow. 80. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. Some of you are going to have children at times you never thought you were going to have children. Always remember Sarah. Always remember who? Sarah. The Bible says that in hope against hope. In hope against hope. In hope against hope. He still what? Believed. Do you see? And I like the part that says that they considered, Abraham considered the deadness of Sarah's womb. I mean, when he came to Sarah's womb, Abraham lost faith. It is okay to lose faith in your human strength. But when he came to the promises of God, he never lost faith. Hallelujah. Sometimes it's okay. You can lose faith in your ability to achieve something. Do you understand? But when it comes to the promises of God, the Bible says in hope against hope, Abraham believed that he who has promised is faithful. That he who has promised what is faithful. Don't look at your CV. Don't look at your job. Don't look at your, your age. Do you understand? Don't count the gray hairs and say that it's over. Don't look at your strength. Don't look at your little bank account. Do you understand? Don't, don't, the Bible says that my God shall supply what your needs according to his riches, not according to your little bank account. That every day you are negative 35, negative 35, negative 35, always calling Bank of America and fighting with them over 30, 35. Can I get a witness in the house? Yeah! According to his riches. Amen. Yeah, you see, sometimes uh, God will just remove your crutches so that you will depend on him. He just removes the crutches so that you learn to walk in faith. Hallelujah. For some of you, your bank account has become your crutch. When there is money in it, you are happy. When there's no money, you are depressed. But God wants you to know that he is your source. Hallelujah. Yeah, he is your source. He just removes certain crutches and just know that, no, Jacob, you have taken life by your own strength. You have deceived your brother. You know, you've done all these things. But I'm going to usher you into a position and a place in life that blessings will flow through you. That even when someone changes your wages, you are still being blessed. That is the place that God wants to take you and I. Hallelujah. That we stop depending on our strength, our CVs, our backgrounds, our PhDs or ADD, whatever you have. (laughs) You get it? Or whatever you have. For God to begin to say that, you know, going forth, I'm rather going to trust God more than in my strength, more than my beauty. Beauty is not what drives someone to like you. you. Amen. Yeah. Because beauty is very relative. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So, yeah, it's just like food. You, somewhat, people say that duck and chicken taste the same. But I don't even like the way a duck looks, the neck and things. I don't like it. Do you see? I like chicken. 
Some say that snake and chicken, everything tastes like chicken. Crocodile tastes like chicken. You get it? But somebody likes crocodile. Someone likes chicken. So if you meet a guy who likes crocodile meat, you can be the most chicken chicken in the world. <laughs> do, you, do you get what I'm saying? The most what? Chicken chicken in the world. The person does not like chicken. Just like some of you will not eat snake meat. No matter how I fry it, I barbecue it. What else? I grill it. I spice it up and I fry the head, you know, and just leave it on the plate <laughs> like this. You know, one day I, I saw a guy eating monkey brain. You know, they, they cook the monkey's head in a bowl and then they cut off the skull and then they eat it. <laughs> yeah. Would you eat such a thing? But that's someone's delicacy. Do you get it? So something you have to just believe God. It's not in a makeup or anything, you see. Try and believe God that besides the outward beauty, let me just trust God for me to be liked by somebody. I'm Hallelujah. Do you get what I'm saying? So believe in the grace of God to help you. Are you with me? Believe in grace because life as it is, you realize that even with your own strength, you sometimes don't measure up. Hallelujah. With your calculations, your projections, your forecastings, your workouts. <laughs> you know, I was reading a story about the CEO of a company, United U.S. Airways. He's a vegetarian. He's always been a vegetarian. He works out five times a week. And when he left CSX Transportation to go to U.S. Airways, the first month he had a heart attack. And then they were asking him, did it mean that you took a wrong job because you're a pretty healthy guy? You know, you eat vegetarian, you have pure vegetarian and things. And he said that, you know, sometimes our hearts have diseases that we don't even know. So even though I was working out and eating right, it wasn't working. So the doctor told me that stop being a vegetarian and be a flexitarian. <laughs> Do you know flexitarian? You eat vegetables, you eat meat. I mean, you're just flexible. Whatever works for you. Tell your neighbor, be a flexitarian. Be a flexitarian. <laughs> do, do, do you get it? Yeah, my, my doctor says I should be what? A flexitarian. I should just mix and match because it's not so much about the vegetables. <laughs> yeah, it's not so much about what? The vegetables. Do you understand? He said be a flexitarian and be happy. Do you get it? It's not so much about this. But just, just believe God that, you know, God will keep you healthy. Hallelujah. Believe God. You know, you saw the story of Hezekiah, how he prayed, and God just added 15 more years to his life. Amen. Pray that God will add more years to your life. Are you, are you there? Pray that God will add more money to your bank account. Believe him. Trust him. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Let's look at the life of the Philippians church. How tithing provokes God's graciousness. Philippians 4.15. Philippians 4.15. Are you there? Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but you only okay verse 16 
Not because I desire a gift. Hallelujah. Not because the church needs your money. Do you understand? But I desire fruit that may abound to your what? Account. Can I have another translation, please? Give me the NASB or the New Living Translation, either one of them. And you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Verse 16. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Can you imagine this? The pastor saying, I don't need your money. But why am I asking you to tithe? Why am I asking you to give? What I want is for you to receive a well-earned reward because of your kindness. Okay? Verse 18. At the moment, I have all that I need more than I need. I am generously supplied with the gift you send me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable to God and pleases him. Next verse. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. If you become a giver, you provoke God to supply your needs. Are you with me? Yeah. You know, in life, <clears throat> don't be deceived. Rich people have needs. Never think that when you have money, your needs are taken care of. I heard a story of uh, Bill Clinton. He left the White House with $16 million in debt. A president of the United States, maybe a president of, let's say, Chad, I would understand. Is it Niger or, let's say, Ethiopia or, or let's say... <laughs> Uh, where uh, Sudan, you know, or, or, or Haiti. Do you get it? But the president of the greatest economy in the world left office with $16 million in debt. Wow. You see, when you have the most money, it doesn't, number one, it doesn't mean that you don't have needs. Number two, even if, let me put it this way, what money does is even it provides the things money can buy for you. That is what the money does. But that is just like a tenth of life. Outside of things money can buy, 90% of other things money cannot buy. Steve Jobs with all his money couldn't buy his health. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when God says that I will supply your needs, it's more than money. It's beyond the things money can buy. Hallelujah. It's beyond your needs, all your needs. Do you see? And you see, he didn't say that you wouldn't have needs. You are going to have needs. But when you have needs, I'm going to provide for you. Amen? So it's not a, you know, don't, don't worry if you have a need. Let me put it this way. If let's say you're driving from here to California, you are going to have a need to fill your tank. But any time the gas goes on E, there will be a gas station for you. That's what God is saying. Anytime you go on E, there will be a gas station. You get it? And you drive 400 miles, and then you go on E, another gas station. 
And then you choose regular, whatever, premium. Just choose whichever one you want. He never said you won't have a need. But he said that I will supply. There will be a supply for your needs. You see, don't look at your needs and just throw your hands up in the air and say that, well, I'm all done for. I'm, I'm, this is the end of me. No, rather look at the supply of God. Are you with me? And I, I should become a tither. I should be someone who gives. God, what God does is also provide for you. You know, think of Abraham. God asked him, go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice your son. Abraham said, well, I'm going to go. God had promised me and he said that my son is going to be my heir. I don't know how uh, this is going to work. But if he asked me for my son, I'm going to give it. But then as he was about to slay his son, think about it. A ram was caught up in the bush, bush somewhere there. And then he said, my God, my God is Jehovah Jireh. He's really, really a provider. He's really, really, really a provider. Let me tell you something. You see, some of us, we've been through difficult patches in our lives because all that God wants to do is to reveal to you that he's a provider. Are you with me, church? Yeah. He's a provider. I provide. He didn't say you're going to be a sugar daddy. Sugar daddy is more like more, you, you, every, you don't have a... But you see, a sugar daddy is not even enough. Do you understand? You have everything, you never be in need. No. Even when it's about money, there are other things that money cannot buy. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he says that I will supply your needs according to your, my riches in glory. And many a time when we think of that scripture, we think about only money. But life is more than money. Life is more than money. It's about health. It's about safety. It's about good thoughts. It's about good frame of mind. It's about emotion. A lot, a, lot, a lot of things that you and I know that. Do you get it? And many of these things, money can buy them. It's great if I have a million dollars, but that is just it. It may not make my children obey me. True or not true? It may not cause, it may not make my child finish college. I know somebody whose parents could afford college for him, I mean, 20 times over. Anytime he goes to school, he checks out. So for four years, the parents thought he was in school. Lo and behold, the guy never went to school. It's not a guarantee. You have a child who even goes to school. You should even thank God for it. I don't have the funds, but my child is getting an education. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And God, Paul pronounced this blessing on the church, the Philippians church, because they were a church that gave. Not out of Paul's needs, but Paul told them that what I want you to understand is the reward in giving. Do you understand? Said, I don't need anything from you. I, I don't. I really don't. But I want you to understand the economy of God. That the way the economy of God works is this. That as you give, you'll be rewarded. As you give, you'll be rewarded. As you give, you'll be rewarded. So you don't have to be wound to give. It's like we have to say, yeah, give $10, $10 for a 10-day blessing. You see, $100 for a 100-day miracle. I prophesy to you, 100 days, someone will give you this. With all the gimmicks that go on, you know, give $50 for an anointing oil. This oil can cure every disease. Every, you, you can't buy the grace of God. Are, are you with me, church? Yeah, you can't buy God's grace. You can't buy it. So I'm just encouraging all of us to give out of a free will. Do you understand that what I'm doing, there's a reward in what I'm doing. I don't see it, 
Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't see it now, but I still believe that God shall supply my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Not according to what I have, but according to what? His riches. And I tell you, you have a father who is dusted. He says, the silver is mine. The gold is mine. He told Haggai, he says, I will shake all nations and the desire of the nations shall come to this temple. He said, God can shake money from places and put them in places. Yeah, that's what God does. He can move. You know, Reverend was telling us that money is like a river. You have to pray that it just flows through your neighborhood. How many, you know, sometimes you buy houses and you say there's a creek behind the house, you know. Yeah, may the creek of finances also be behind you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. God can cause a river of money to flow to your neighborhood, to your house, and to your address. Specifically to you. You see? And don't depend on your paycheck to make you rich. Truth be told, paycheck is for survival. It's not for riches. <laughs> you know, paycheck, paycheck is just for... But God can cause wealth to come to you for some strange reasons. I don't know how. An inheritance favor, a bonus here and there, a gift here and there. Someone just call you from nowhere and say, look, I want to give you this house of mine. You, you don't know. Do you understand? And you say, believe in that because your paycheck, don't look at your paycheck and get discouraged because think about it. When your salary doubled, your tax rates also increased. Well, what is this? You know, and then all the eaters also started. Then all of a sudden, you had some cousins from some village somewhere. All of a sudden, say, oh, I found your phone number. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sister Maria Lise, how are you? <laughs> I hear you live in New York, really. Your cousin from nowhere begins, you know, my child has this disease and can you give me $200 a month? And that's not the $200 that you've also planned to buy yourself a new Corolla. Trust God for money. He says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. A cattle on a thousand hills is his. He causes money to flow from places to places. Amen. May the river flow to you. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you see the blessings of giving here. The Philippian church provoked the gracious. Let's, let's go to another verse. Let me share another verse with you. Acts 10 verse 1. In Caesarea, there, was, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, near NLT, who was a captain of the Italian regiment he was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor. Do you see that? Giving. And prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock. Look, expect a three o'clock miracle. Amen. Expect a call at three o'clock. Believe this. Three o'clock. You'll receive a good call. Not a bad call, but a good call. He had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius. Think about it. Cornelius was living, let's say, in a high-rise building in Manhattan. So many apartments. So many homes. But the angel bypassed apartment 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 1,000, 1,000, to, to apartment 1103. That is my apartment. That's why I'm using that number. <laughs> apartment 1103. And said that, Cornelius, 
He mentioned, see, because he didn't want to be confused. Do you get it? I want to make sure that you are the one. You know, recently I was talking to a, a pastor, one of our pastors who went on evangelism, you see, and he met a guy who was very good, you know, into outreach. The guy bought a van for the church for them to be used for outreaches. And he was, she was so excited. Oh, what a powerful guy I've received. And then last week, she told me that the guy told her that actually her church is not the church that she was, she wanted to come to. Because someone else, no, no, no. No, the guy just walked into the church, you see. And the guy said she was, he was actually looking for another church in the same building. And rather came to her church. So she, he's now seen the right church that he wants to go to. And she's so heartbroken. Because the angel couldn't locate the right church. But this angel said, Cornelius, I just want to make sure this is where I want to come to. So he said, are you Cornelius? Yes, I am Cornelius. Okay, this is the place I want to come to. Then he said, what is it, sir? He asked the angel. The angel replied, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Your prayers and your gifts. Your prayers and your gifts. I have received them. And because of these gifts and prayers, I have been sent to your house. May an angel be sent to you. Amen. Hallelujah. May an angel be sent to you. Because what is an angel? An angel is a messenger. May a messenger be sent. Do you understand what I'm saying? An angel came from nowhere. I don't know the distance the angel traveled, but it must be very far. Do you get it? Just to locate you, Cornelius, your household, just you. And those times we didn't have any zip codes or house number 233, Papu Brown Street. Nothing. Do you see? Manhattan Boulevard, nothing. But God was able to locate Cornelius. May the angel of God locate you. Do you understand? Because giving provokes God to send angels. As he did here. You know, just send him. Say, go, go, go. What is it you need? Salvation. I'm going to send Peter to you to help get you and your household saved. And in life, you're going to need angels. You know, one time I was sick. I went out when we, years back when we used to be in high school. I was sick. And those times, almost every three months, we used to get sick. Malaria and all those things. And there was a guy in our school. I mean, I didn't know him from nowhere. He was, you know, years ahead of me. And I got sick one day. And he decided to take care of me. He would go to the dining hall, bring my food. I didn't know him from nowhere. He would buy special. He would take me to the school dispensary, get inject injections and, th and, th and things like that. And I said, this, is, this must be the doing of God. This must be the doing of God. Amen. And God does that for people. May your boss be an angel. Amen. May your neighbor be an angel. Hallelujah. Yeah. May the person you sit next to on your next flight be an angel. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. May God send angels to you. Bishop said one time he was going to Colombia and was so scared to go there. And as he slept in a vision, he saw an angel by him. Just to encourage him that I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Amen. May your giving provoke angels. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. And lastly, 
let's go to Second uh, Kings. Second Kings twenty. Second Kings twenty. In those days, Hezekiah became ill, and Isaiah the prophet. Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. You see, that's why we do visitations. Amen. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order. You are going to die. You will not recover from this sickness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Verse 3. Remember, O Lord. You see, he was now going to um, ask God to remember his offerings and his givings and his service. How I have always tried to be faithful to you and do what is pleasing in your sight. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. But before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord. You see God changing his mind on people. Verse 5. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayers and seen your tears. I will heal you. Tell your neighbor, God will heal you. Amen. And three days from now, you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. Verse 6. I will add 15 years to your life. And I'll rescue you from all this, from this city, from the king of Assyria. I will do this to defend my honor and for the sake of my servant, David. Fifteen more years was added because this guy did a lot for God that provoked God to show him grace. God had already made up his mind. You're going to die. Look, I've made up my mind. But for some reasons, God said, I've changed my mind. When I remember your sacrifice, your faithfulness, I'm going to add 15 more years. Let me tell you something. Never accept final reports. Amen. Amen. The Bible says what? Whose report will you believe? Because God always makes exceptions to the rule. Are you with me? Peter fished all night and caught nothing. But for some miraculous reasons, the God who created Jupiter, the God who created heavens and the earth, the God who speaks to mountains and speaks to fishes, caused the fishes to swim from nowhere to where Peter had fished all night. You had applied for jobs all night, but don't give up on God. Amen. Yeah. Don't give up on God. He said, God had already made up his mind. Oh, look, I've changed my mind. You are not, you're going to die. This is it. And then God just changed his mind again. He said, no, I'm going to bless you. I'll add 15 more years. I will add 15 more years. I will add 15 more years. That is how good our God is. Tell me about God is good. Amen. God is good. I will add 15 more years just because you serve me. You see, for those of us who joke with our work for God, this is for you. <laughs> One rehearsal you have to go to. 
phone calls, and then not just phone calls, but WhatsApp calls, and then text message and WhatsApp text messages. And then we sometimes have to send you emails. You don't know that you are rather cutting yourself from a blessing. Hallelujah. Yeah. You are, Bible says that abound in the work. Let's look at that scripture. Let's look at that. Please. Are we in the Bible teaching church? Okay. 1 Corinthians 15, right? 1 Corinthians 15. Amplified version. Look at what it says. Therefore, my beloved, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Abounding means you are doing more than enough. Always being superior, excelling, doing more than enough in the service of the Lord. Knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile. It is never wasted or to no purpose. It is never wasted. Your rehearsals are never wasted. Your songs are never wasted. Your ushering is never wasted. Your giving is never wasted. Your hospitality is never wasted. Abound in it. Go above and beyond. Hallelujah. Let the pastor say that you are doing more than enough. And that is where we should be. Nobody gets promoted for doing just their job. People who get promoted are people who do more than enough. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know, just as sometimes we ask God, you know, Jehovah uh, El Shaddai, the God who is what? More than enough. May your work also be more than enough. May heaven say that, man, your work is more than enough. When it came to cleaning the church, you didn't just clean, but you mopped. Amen. You didn't just sweep, but you just mopped because you want to be what? More than enough. You didn't just give a tithe. You give more than 10% because you believe in more than enough blessing. Let's look at another version. Are you receiving something? Look at it. Let's go look at another one. Message Bible or NLT. Let's see what it says. Which one is this one? Amplified. Okay. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and steady. It means don't leave God's work. Are you with me? Do it your whole life. Be steady in it. Always enthusiastic about the Lord's work. Always enthusiastic. Sometimes we lose the enthusiasm for God's work. For sometimes very good reasons, okay. But you have to tell yourself, I am not going to lose my enthusiasm. There are times that my hands are weak, but I'm going to raise my hand and not lose my enthusiasm. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Wow. Let's look at another version. With all this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground, don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Confident that nothing you do, your offerings are not a waste of time. I can tell you what you waste your money. Listen, if you buy McDonald's right now, you probably wasted your money. Probably. You just satisfied a hunger for a minute. Probably the food you ate has no nutrients. You just satisfied your taste buds. Do you understand? 
but one thing that guarantees the outcome of your money is if you put it into God's work. Because even investments lose their money, their, 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 their um, wealth. You can buy a house and say that, well, all property values here go up by 20%. So you can calculate, in the next five years, I'm also going to get $100,000 equity in my home, only to realize that you have negative equity. Doesn't that happen? It happens. You can buy stocks, and the stock market is great right now. But two years from now, the stock market can go down. You can buy the best clothing. I mean, clothing, they don't even go there. Oh. You buy clothes within a year, the new one comes on the board, you know. And you, you're even tired of it. A car, a car, a car. Come on. You buy a car within two years. It's even useless. I wouldn't say useless, but better ones are on the road. And your car has lost value. You, you owe $20,000 on it, but your car is worth 10000 I mean, come on. It's, it's lost its value. True or not true? Yeah, so many things. You can get a great university degree, but it can also lose its value. 20 years from now, people don't even look. Because some of you are going to look for a job. They look at when you graduated. Your graduation, 1999. Ah! We are still using DOS. You know DOS. <laughs> Yeah, so Windows and DOS. <laughs> Before DOS, <laughs> 99. And they look at it. And that's why a lot of people sometimes remove the year they got out of college from their resumes. You don't know the trick. Because they just realized that the time you graduated, even Facebook was not in the world. <laughs> you finished school 99. Hey! With your great gradu- certificate that you are boasting, tell your whole village about. You know, it's even lost its value. But what we put in the kingdom does not lose its value. Hallelujah. Yeah. What we put in the kingdom does not lose its value. So I came to encourage you that, listen, lay your treasures up in heaven. A place where your your investment does not lose its value. Hallelujah. Because you and I have seen all over time that everything we put on this earth Really, 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 really loses one value. One day, a friend of mine, you know, his father died. Father was into fashion, you see. And, you know, this old type of old ties with. And, you know, the, the, the world, and the father opened all the gifts. He said that they gave him all the gifts. They said, I think he, he had um, two sisters. He was the only guy. So they gave him all his father's clothes. And, you know, this type of suits that was, was made with gabardine. You don't even... <laughs> you, you, you know gabardine, not even cotton. <laughs> and, and, you know, the family members were raving about it. You know, you have all your father's clothing. And, you know, you, you know the shoe called guarantee. <laughs> Those with long heels. <laughs> And they were raving about it. And he told me, look, I don't even know what to do with these things. I can't even wear them. <laughs> I can't even wear them. It's lost its value in the current generation. But meanwhile, by then, by then, it was, the, the, it was lit by then. But now, it's lost its value. 
Hallelujah. It's lost its value. And you could see around you, the Bible says the world is fading away. Fashion is fading. God, everything is fading away. Presidents come and go. Politicians come and go. One president was lamenting that the most painful thing when you leave the White House is how ordinary you become. No secret service. When you go and buy something, you have to pay for it now. You buy it with your own money. <laughs> you sit in traffic, yeah, like anybody else. All the uh, police escorts, everything is gone. Do you understand? But the things we put in the kingdom, it will last forever. Amen. So don't be afraid to invest in eternity because our lives on this earth is very short. 70 years, 80 years, 105 years. You want it. Okay, 105. After that, there awaits a long eternity ahead of you. The question I'm asking you is, what have you put up there? What have you put up there? Rise to your feet and let's bring the service to an end. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Wow. I don't know what to pray about, but just talk to God. I, I don't have anything to say you should pray about. It's up to you. Maybe you want to ask God to give you a given heart. Or you want to ask him to touch your heart to be a giver, to be a tither, to be a giver. To be someone who is willing to just pry your hands to let money out, go out of your hands. Or for your time to be invested in the kingdom of God. I just want this holy moment. Just talk to God in your own personal time. And ask him to touch your life. To speak to you. Maybe for some of you, God is asking you to give something that is so dear to you. And you've held on to it for so long that you're still debating it. Why don't you just trust him? It could be even your children. You are holding your children back from God. Why don't you just trust him and know that he can even raise your children better than you can. It could even be your finances. It could even be a job that you have to let go for his sake and for his kingdom. Why don't you just trust him right now and just let it go. Touch it. Ask him to just touch you. For just one minute, just, just begin to talk to him right now. He will give his angels charge over me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me, for me, for me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me. Say, my God, my God shall supply all my needs. According to his riches in glory. He will give his angels charge over me. Jehovah Jarakas for me, for me, for me. Jehovah Jarakas for me. Jehovah Jarakas, my provider is grace. He's sufficient for me, for me, for me, Jehovah Jireh. My provider is grace, he's sufficient for me. My God, my God shall supply all my needs. Come on, sing it to him. Oh, 
according to his riches in glory. He will give his angels charge over me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me, for me, for me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for you. For me, for me. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, His grace is sufficient for me. My God, my God shall supply all my need. I call into His riches in glory. And he will give his angels charge over me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me, for me, for me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me. Father, we thank you that you care for us. We thank you, the Lord, you minister to us. As we gave, Lord, we are assured that you gave unto us. You told Abraham to give Isaac and you gave him the world. No one can outgive you, Lord. For even everything we have comes from you. Who are we to say that if we are even giving it to you? I pray that, Lord, you touch our hearts. Many of us are on the cusp of releasing things to you. Some of us need to release our money. Some of us need to release our time. Some of us, our children, our energy, our efforts our talents lord may today be the beginning of a new chapter of giving ourselves for you gave us your only begotten son why should we withhold anything from you may we become mighty tithers and mighty givers may we have more than enough for god to give may we always be oh god lenders and not borrowers in the name of jesus we pray, oh Father, that transform our lives, oh God. I pray for every situation here, every financial situation. Those who have been declared bankrupt, Father, help them. Those who are in debt, Father, help them. For your word says that you forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive debts. Cancel debts, oh God. In the name of Jesus Christ. We pray the Lord remember our sacrifices. Just as you remembered Hezekiah. Remember and add more years to our lives. More money, more time, more paycheck. More health to our days. In the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray the Lord, may you send angels. May you send angels to our homes. May our addresses be located. May we find angels at our job places. On the flight we take, may we sit by angels. When we're on the bus, may we sit by angels. May we walk into angels. May we have angel landlords, oh God. Man, oh Father, in the name of Jesus, may a gracious spirit be poured upon this church that we can always say, it's by grace. It's by grace. It's by grace. May time and chance happen to us. 
we thank you forgive us for forgetting about your goodness and about your graciousness we give you all the glory all the honor and all the praise and the people of God say amen 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 Amen. hallelujah why don't you high five somebody and say that may the grace of God be with you may the grace of God May the grace of God, may the grace of God, may the grace of God be with you. Hallelujah. Let's we hope that you've been blessed. Come join us for any of our services. Contact us on lci.newyork at gmail.com and visit us on the web at www.lcimanhattan.com. Dot com.